Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey, 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 everybody, you're listening to an episode of The Command Zone. It is an episode, not the next episode, not this week's episode. It is the episode of The Command Zone. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy. What happened? Uh, what happened? How's it? It's A-A-A, Josh Lee Kwai. <laughs> Wait, A-A-A, Josh Lee Kwai? I don't know. You were saying A a lot. I just oh, wanted to be part right. of the club. I thought you were you, the A-A-A. auto insurance club, AAA. <laughs> is that the club? That was good. Um, we have a fun episode today. We're back to talking top 10 cards. Uh, today we're covering black. The top 10 black cards in EDH. Yeah, EDH, we've decided, has just become a single word called EDH. Let's play some EDH. You, just, me. It sounds really inviting, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> me, you. You want to play some EDH? Ech. Yeah, man, I'm super down for EDH. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the day. Before we get to our main topic... We would like to make a request. We haven't asked for this in a while. If you have not reviewed us on iTunes yet, you can can really help the show out by going there and filling out a review, not just giving us a five-star rating, but also actually typing out a quick review uh, does help the show. What if they don't want to give us a five-star rating? That's true. Then don't don't, then don't even go. No, that's yeah, fine. Don't, no, don't go. Just forget this whole section existed. <laughs> okay, for those of you that want to give us a five-star rating, <laughs> this subgroup, go to iTunes, um, and, and writing a review really helps. It helps the show get out there. It's the way that iTunes sort of like ranks things when you cert, when you run a search. Mm-hmm. Um, it, really, it really helps the exposure. So people are asking us all the time like how they can help the show out and get the word out there. This is a really good way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we like reading it, and also it's a great, you know, makes me feel great. (laughs) That's true. Reading the reviews makes me personally feel good, so that's also another reason to do it. It gives me uh, fuel to keep the the Command Zone podcast engine a-roaring. Our engine, yeah. No, wait. I want to redo our engine noise. That'd be funny if you just have the most badass car and your your bell is just like the bing. <laughs> That's your uh, your horn, you mean? Yeah, everyone's like, is, it, is dinner served back there? <laughs> 
Um, so black uh, is the second to last color that we have done a top 10 list. We, there's one left. There's blue. Obviously, we saved the best for last, right? Also, blue is kind of the hardest. There's just a lot of good cards. In there blue. are. Actually, black was hard, too, because I, I found... We'll talk about when we get there, but there are a lot of things. Uh, I thought black was going to be easier because I was like, I don't play a ton of black cards. And then I was like listing them, and I was like... Crap, I have 50 cards on my list. Yeah, yeah. So. Mine had about 20, so it's hard cutting them down. Um, and um, the way that we make these lists uh, is the same for all the episodes. Uh, it's what we believe to be the top 10 black cards, and we try and keep the price tag in general under $25 uh, because, I mean, there are some cards that, of course, are really good and really powerful but cost 90 to $100, and we don't think that's realistic to make a list of those cards um, because if you want those cards, you can just look them up. It's not hard to or find. Or you can listen to our High Rollers episode. Which High Rollers. Cha-ching. Yeah. Um, in fact, a High Rolling card like the Abyss, which mm-hmm. I believe we talked about um would probably make the list, but it's a couple hundred dollars, and that's just... It doesn't make sense to put that on the top of the list because you yeah. can't get it. You yeah. can't get it, and also it's yeah, it's such a it's a very specific card that it's hard to get, get a hold of. Um, uh, the other thing, uh, before we get into the criteria of the list, is like, guys, we know. Demonic Tutor is going to be number one. It should be number one, but we're not going to put it there. Yeah, we we just assume... It's not fun to talk about the card that we know is going to be number one before even going into it, because Jimmy and I make our lists separately, and we mm-hmm. don't look at each other's lists, and then now we're comparing to see how close we are, how far apart we are, and we just both knew Demonic Tutor would be number one. So we're just putting that off to the side. In fact, I put all the tutors off to the side, Vampiric Tutor and everything, yeah. and just said, yeah, those are sort of the best cards in black, but those aren't fun to talk about. They're not interesting. So we're going to cover the non-tutor cards, basically. Yeah, exactly. And the other big thing is that... um. We did this with artifacts as well. There was a little bit of an outcry because we didn't put Soul Ring on the list, yeah. but it's the same idea. You know, if you wanted to talk about most powerful vintage cards in the world, you could be like Black Lotus is number one, and everyone would know that it's right. the you know the most a, might the be most, ancestral. Could be ancestral, yeah. But I mean, the whole idea is yeah. we we don't want to bore you guys with the number one slot. We can just get it out of the way. A tutor is incredibly powerful because you get to put any card in your deck into your hand. We all know this. If you listen, we all know this. Yeah, yeah. if you listen to the show for this long, then you know. That probably would have been our number one, but we're disallowing it for this discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to make it a little more interesting. So uh, what are some of the criteria we use to judge a card, Josh? Uh, I'm going to go over this really fast because we've talked about it for the other four top ten lists we've done. It's the same. It's Three, man- actually. Well, we did oh, no, artifacts. We did artifacts. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, we'll have to do gold colors as well soon. Well, yeah, we'll probably have to. Oh, we'll talk about that. That's going to get complicated. Yeah. Um, mana cost factors into it, so it's hard for a card that costs 10 mana to be on the list. It would have to be extremely powerful. Um, how useful is the card in a multitude of decks and color combinations? So it can't just be useful in mono black or just be useful only if you're pairing black with white. It has to be useful um, in with all the colors uh quadrant theory which we talked about with marshall sutcliffe when he was on i believe that was episode nine mm-hmm. um what are the quadrants again it's uh, uh it's a setup phase slash beginning phase the uh whether you're ahead whether you're behind and wh- whether you're um at stasis yeah yeah so those are the four quadrants it's how useful is a card in each of those quadrants um and then does it either does the card either enable or combat a strategy that's prevalent in the format so mm-hmm. Token decks are prevalent. Voltron decks are prevalent. There's a lot of board wipes in the format. Does it give you mana ramp or card draw, which are the two things every deck needs? So that that would bump it up or down on the list depending on which which one of those categories it hits. Yep, definitely. All right. All right. You so want to just you, dive right into it? Yeah, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. So right. my number 10, 
I said, Shieldred Whispering One. Oh boy! So Shieldred is uh, I'd, I'd say probably one of the more popular mono black commanders if you want to go this route. But Shieldred is a Praetor, and if you guys know, the Praetors were a legendary creature cycle that were in New Phyrexia, I believe. Other notable Praetors in the cycle that you may know are Elishnorn. Jingataxius. Oh, God, Jingataxius. Yeah, there's a, there's one for each color, um, and Shieldred is one of the better ones for sure, one of the most yeah. played cards. There's almost every mono black, car, mono black deck would play her. Oh, almost you, every black deck would play her. It's uh, true. Do you want to read her? Yeah, she's five and two black for seven total, a legendary creature, Praetor. She's a 6-6 six, six with Swamp Walk, and it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it also says, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. Whoa, that is huge. It's two effects, and any one of them would be awesome, but she has them both. So you get a creature card from your graveyard. And they lose a creature. And they lose a creature every turn. Like So it's, it's not just that they're losing one. You're actually you're you're going if you're like look at it in the scale, you're going way faster. You're separating yourself by two cards essentially each time that she the trigger happens when they have to sacrifice a creature. Yeah, incredibly powerful. If, uh, an unchecked shielder just takes over the game. Yeah. And uh when it comes to combating certain strategies, for instance, Voltron decks, this can be very powerful because if they're just about suiting up their one person to be super uh indestructible and all these other things and you can't kill it with conventional means. Well, sacrificing it, an edict effect. Yeah, it's definitely one of the ways to get around it. When we were in Vegas, um, the Reverend in Fuego was playing his Shu Yun deck, which is basically yes. a deck where you get Shu Yun out and then put a bunch of enchantments on Shu Yun. And then somebody put out a Shieldred. And it his, was me. And literally, he just <laughs> couldn't do anything because he can't cast his commander because he immediately has to sacrifice it the next turn. Mm-hmm. So, And his whole deck is just meant to like stack a bunch of stuff onto Shu Yun, but he couldn't do it. And it gets around hexproof and everything, so... Yeah, pretty intense. So I, I agree. That's definitely in my top 10 list, uh, potentially at a higher spot. Yeah, you have it. I see it now. You have it higher. Yeah, I do. Um, my number 10 card, which I believe you have higher than I do, is yep. Living Death. Uh, this is one of my favorite sorcery board wipes in black uh, because it's not really a board wipe. And I think the card is great because it's one of those board wipes that you can really play around. As or in, you, you can, can really play around, set up. You can set up, yeah. You yeah. can play around your own card, which is something we talked about in the episode with Graham. Uh, which is um, oftentimes when you have a card that says kill all the creatures on the board and you have creatures in your hand and the ability to play that spell, you're going to want to play your creatures, for instance, after you cast it or just not play out them out as much knowing you're going to cast it in a future turn. And Living Death is a great example of a card that you definitely want to plan ahead for. It says each player exiles all creature cards from his or her graveyard, then sacrifices all creatures he or she controls, then puts all cards he or she exiled this way onto the battlefield. It's a sorcery, by the way. It's a sorcery, yeah, for five mana total. Basically, everything you've got in play goes to the graveyard, and everything you've got in the graveyard comes into play, and that's for all players. Every player, yeah. Yeah, but the way that this generally works is you've got a deck that's just dumping stuff into the graveyard constantly, Mm -hmm. and so when you do it, you get 20 things, and everybody else gets, you know... A few things that have happened to die in the game, so yeah. two or three things. I mean, you can also do a lot of stuff like, um, for instance, you could attack someone really aggressively. Yep. Uh, you can trade off aggressively knowing that your creatures are going to come back. If you if you have more creatures with Enter the Battlefield effects, you're going to yep. benefit from this a lot more. Oh, uh, if you just have, like, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, oh, yeah. you can just kill everybody. That happens all the time with this That card. happened in that same deck, yeah. uh, same game with Shu Yun. And, yeah, because Grey Merchant basically deals damage to everybody equal to the amount of devotion to black you have. Mm-hmm. And since so many creatures are coming into play all at once, a lot of times you'll just be like, well, I have 30 pips. Yeah. So everybody takes 30 and I gain 120. Yeah, this you card's know? great in decks yeah. like Carador. It's great in decks that 
use green <laughs> just because they have cards like Eternal Witness that you can get back and get another card back. So I like this card a lot. Yeah, it's very powerful. I have it higher on my list. Oh, nice. Um, okay, number nine. Yes. What is your number nine, Josh? My number nine is Kokusho, the Evening Star. Used to be banned. Used to be banned and was only recently unbanned. Kokusho is four and two black for a legendary creature, Dragon Spirit. He's a 5-5 with flying. When Kokusho, the Evening Star, dies, each opponent loses five life. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So Hmm. if there's four players, uh, four other players, you would gain 20 life and they would all lose five. Pretty good. Yeah, it's great. It Really, the life gain is so huge. Um, Also, just the ability to recur this out of your graveyard constantly with something like a sack outlet outlet in like Shieldred or Caridor, those type of decks that can just play Kokusho. Like once you play Kokusho three, four, five times, it's just over. Yeah. You just win. Yeah, and I would say the best way to use Kokusho is for when you can repeat his ability a few times. Yep. Um, because otherwise, it happening once is nice, and it's a six-mana 5-5 five, five flyer, which is also really good. That usually gains you, in a game of Commander, 20 life or so. So mm-hmm. even even if you don't recur it, it's good. Yeah, it's good just dying once. Yeah. Um, but the best way to use it, obviously, and the reason why it was originally banned is because you could really abuse this effect if you built your deck around it. Mm-hmm. What's your number nine, Jimmy? Uh, my numero nino is reanimate. And... This is a, maybe potentially a little uh, controversial because it is a one-of effect, and usually we talk about these sorts of effects not being able to do multiple things or bigger things. Mm-hmm. It's not being mm-hmm. that powerful. And you actually have a version of this card on your list that I think is potentially the better version, but uh, Reanimate is a one black for a sorcery. It's it's my ult, it's like my reverse path to exile in black. Yeah, yeah. Um, put target creature card from a graveyard onto, onto the battlefield under your control. You lose life equal to its converted mana cost. So any graveyard. Any graveyard, and you just lose life equal to its converted mana cost. Now, that usually isn't a big deal because you're not going to put anything bigger than like an eight, you know. But this is one of those great cards where you can get something back from your graveyard if it's early in the game. Sometimes you even let your general go to the graveyard so Mm. you can just get it back with a reanimate that same turn or whatever. I've done that definitely with my Marchesa deck a bunch of times. Oh, Um, yeah. And in the late game, it gets just super nuts because someone's played the Consecrated Sphinx and it's been killed. You know, yep. or someone's played a giant uh, a shieldred and it's been killed. Well, you can also do stuff like you draw it in your opening hand. You just skip your first land drop, mm-hmm. purposefully discard something huge. Then on turn two, you play a swamp, reanimate something big, and you could have like a you could like have like a seven power creature out mm-hmm. on turn two. You could have a yeah. You could have in the right deck. You could have a Consecrated Sphinx out in turn two. You could have yeah. Shieldred out in turn two, and yeah. you're gonna pretty if much. If you have win Shieldred that. out on turn two, I mean, somebody has to have a path to exile or something yeah. right now. Otherwise, how are they ever gonna win? So, yeah, reanimate. You can do broken stuff. Yeah, it's good in the early game. Good in the late game. Uh, good to just also use the best of someone else's deck if their creatures get removed, etc. Yep, I really like it. Nice. It was. You're right. You know exactly what card because. When I'm making these lists, and I think you're probably the same way, there's certain slots I want to fill. I want to have a board wipe. I want to have some card draw. I want to have some mana ramp. And then I want to say, well, what's that color really known for? And black's really known for uh, reanimating, to use the word, yeah, getting stuff out of your graveyard directly onto the battlefield. And so the slot that you use for that, yeah, I use for another card later, but definitely that I, needs I'm, to be represented yeah, because that's, black cards, that's what yeah. black is. Yeah. Um, my next one is my mana ramp slot mm-hmm. uh, so number eight for me is crypt gast 
It's three and a black Ooh, for spooky. a two-two spirit. It has extort, um, which is not that important, so I'm not going to read it. Whenever <laughs> it also says, whenever you tap a swamp for mana, add black to your mana pool, so it doubles the amount of mana that all your swamps give you. Mm-hmm. So, Importantly, a swamp. Uh, yes. So it it can be um, like uh, blood crypt counts, badlands, badlands counts. counts. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can tap the badlands for red. But still, also get a black with it because mm-hmm. it is a swamp. But you didn't. You don't, it doesn't say whenever you tap it for black mana. So also, Urborg combos really well with this, which makes oh, yeah. all your lands, everybody's lands, into swamps. Also, um, but it's just really good mana ramp. And this is the way that black sort of does mana ramp. It's specifically for swamps. So Cryptgast is very very strong. Um, I would say if you're three color, you probably don't run Cryptgast. But if you're two or obviously mono, then you definitely run it. Yeah, and it's a four mana creature that does this. Yeah, usually this effect costs a lot more to get onto the battlefield. Very true. Um, and extort, I didn't read it. I'll read it. Whenever you cast <laughs> a spell, you may pay either a black or a white mana. If you do, each opponent loses one life, and you gain that much life. Now you can play this in a mono black deck because that's reminder text. It's not rules text, mm-hmm. but it is not a trifle. It, what happens is it really scales well with the amount of players there are. So it's like a are, mini Kakusho. Yeah, if there are four other players, any spell you play, you pay one extra mana, and you just gain four life, and everybody else loses one life. So that's not a trivial amount. Yeah, especially if you're doing a deck that can um, like play cards out of your graveyard, right? You can yeah. that counts as well. Yep. So yeah, Cryptgast is very powerful. It's definitely the it's like the number one. Hey, I need more ramp in my mono black deck. Cryptgast, it is. Yep. All right, so my number eight uh, is actually gave two spots to board wipes uh, for black because A, black doesn't have that many, and the one I'm about to mention is very specific. Well, I actually gave two spots to board wipes too. Oh, really? Nice. Maybe we should have done three then. (laughs) Uh, Black's Sun's Zenith. Oh, yeah. X black black for a sorcery. It says put X minus one minus one counters on each creature, shuffle black Sun's Zenith into its owner's library. So they don't want you recurring this spell for good reason. It's super powerful. It's super powerful. Minus one, minus one counters live there forever in general. They'll take off a plus one, plus one counters. And also, it's a good way to get rid of a card that is indestructible. Yep. Uh, it's a good way to get just also just, you don't have to necessarily cast this to kill every creature. You can do this for like three and <laughs> you'll neuter and gimp some of the biggest creatures on the board just because that minus three, minus three is pretty permanent and it's hard to get rid of the counters. Yeah, I think so. that's actually a really big strong point for this card, which is that if you don't have the mana to kill everything, it still does really good things mm-hmm. to, like, if you can only do it for six and there's a seven, seven out there, well, now it's a one, one. Yeah. So you're not scared of it. It's fine. It doesn't change the text on the card, but it still turns a lot of stuff into non-threats. I mean, most things that are utility are small, so they're going to die anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. not all, but but most things. So, yeah, this this card. And the fact that it gets around indestructible is really what puts it. I mean, it. combine something with this with, like, Massacre Worm or Ellis oh, yeah. Norn, and you can really destroy a lot of things. Um, well, my number seven is actually my other board wipe. Oh, nice. My other board wipe. Uh, my first board wipe, but I do have two. Um, but it's not Black Sun Zenith. I chose Decree of Pain. Ooh. Decree of Pain. This is so good. Yeah, it's six and two black for a sorcery. It says, destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. Draw a card for each creature destroyed this way. Woo! This is often the audience applauding. Yeah, this is often like, like, draw 15 cards. It also has cycling. So for three and two black, 
Cycling reads, discard this card, draw a card. A couple things about cycling. Um, you can do it at instant speed, and it actually is not casting the spell, so it can't be countered. Um, it's just you're cycling this card. You're putting it into your graveyard and then just drawing a card to replace mm-hmm. it. It just costs you the five mana. But also, when you cycle Decree of Pain, all creatures get negative two, negative two until end of turn. Ease. So it's an uncounterable small board wipe. Mm-hmm. A Massacre Worm. Yeah, if you need that. Um, most of the time you're just going to cast it for the eight, kill everything, and then draw a million cards. Because most of the time that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number seven. Yeah, minus two, minus two for everything, and you get to just cycle the card at instant speed without it being countered is really powerful because if you're playing against like your pinger deck or any deck with a just token a bunch deck. of... Yeah, a token deck. Yep. Uh, guess what? Your Decree of Pain has two modes on it yep. that are super awesome. Yep. Not to mention you can probably get this card back at some time, <laughs> at some point if that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, because it's in your graveyard. It's not gone forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Black Sun Zenith definitely uh, shuffles itself away. All right. I actually did put a tutor effect on my list, but it is... Uh, oh, but it's stapled onto a Planeswalker. It's stapled onto a Planeswalker called Liliana Vess, three and two black, for a five converted cost uh, Planeswalker. Uh, she's been printed a bunch of times, actually, in M10, 11, Lorwyn, M15, in the dual decks. And she essentially is my, she's my favorite black uh, planeswalker because she does a great job. It's one of the first cards I got as a gift as well. Her plus one says target player discards a card, uh, which is powerful, but not Mm -hmm. really why you're playing the card here. Her minus two says search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. So a tutor. Uh, And her minus eight is put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control, which isn't totally out of the realm of possibility because she starts with five. Um, but most times you're going to be able to just essentially tutor twice with a planeswalker because she goes to three the first time and then goes to one the second time. Yep. So not many planeswalkers can do that where they do their minus ability twice in a row. Usually it's once and then they have to start plusing again to get back to it. Yeah, and newsflash, a repeatable tutor, pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, it does draw a lot of hate, but at the same time, I found that this card sometimes slips under the radar, but, radar because the card goes to the top of your library. It's not necessarily into your hand. It's not... As scary as a lot of Planeswalkers because you minus her right away, so the ultimate's really far away. They're not mm-hmm. worried about that. And the plus is not super scary. I mean, nobody likes to discard a card, but one card in EDH against one player. And you can do it to yourself, by the way, and yeah. then play Reanimate. Yep. So it's it. This card is very good. Yeah, and it's my one tutor effect out of the cards I have on my list because it is I like it quite a bit. I, for a long time, was shuffling. Where can I put her? She should be on there. Where is she? And then eventually... I took her off the list entirely, but she was definitely in contention for me. You've got another Planeswalker on here that I did not have in contention. This Planeswalker is my number six. It's Soren Markov. Soren. It looks like he's gunslinging in this picture, It does. By the way. It looks like he's got a revolver, and he's about to like go all um, yeah. Poo, yeah. Poo, poo, poo. Sundance Kid on, <laughs> on me. Can I move when I shoot? Do people know who Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid Man, is? if you have not seen... Butch and Sundance, you need to go see that movie. Yeah, Sundance Film Festival is named after, after it. Yep. Yeah, uh, Robert Redford, one of his most famous roles. One of the most famous endings of a movie of all time. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, Soren Markov is a planeswalker. He costs three and three black, so six total for a four loyalty planeswalker. His plus two is Soren Markov deals two damage to target creature or player, and you gain two life. Eh. All right. That is negative three. <laughs> His target opponent's life total becomes 10. Whoa. So I don't care what your life's at. Like, 
dropped to 10. Yeah, like our buddy Graham with his tree folk deck and all that crazy like incidental life gain. You're at 100. No, you're at 10 life. Yeah, this is great against Aloro decks too. Yep. Um, because it essentially, I've had games where people are like, this guy's out of control. He's at the turn one Sar- Saracen and no one can beat him. And then someone has has Sora Markov in their hand. They're like, don't, don't worry. worry. <laughs> Look, if you can just kill him in one turn before he gets to gain any more life, you're fine. Because Soren Markov's on the table. Yeah, we got this. Don't worry. Uh, and then his ultimate is negative seven is you control target player during that player's next turn. Uh, I'd it, rather play Mind Slaver. <laughs> you just never do this. You just ding another player down to ten. But yeah. but, but the, it's the negative ability that really makes Soren like, kind of broken. In fact, he's one of those cards people ask to get... They want him on the watch list, basically. Oh, really? Yeah, him yeah. with. I, I I don't mind this effect. It doesn't kill them. Ten uh-huh. is ten is you're still in the game. Yeah, it's a quarter uh, of your life total, but you're not dead. Yeah. So, but it's just very powerful. I mean, this is obviously again a card that was designed more for the standard uh, modern environment because taking someone's life total down by half not as big of a deal. Yeah, never really made any splash. I don't think in standard, but it's very powerful in our yeah. format. Understandable. Understandable. Yep. Um. All right. So my number six would be my card draw of the top 10 list, and it is a card I put in almost all my black decks. It mm-hmm. is Phyrexian Arena. Very good card. Yeah, this card's been printed a bunch of times as well. Uh, it's the card draw enchantment for uh, black. It's one black black, and it says at the beginning of your upkeep, you draw a card and you lose one life. So you go upkeep, draw, untap. No, no. no you go untap, untap upkeep. Sorry, untap. <laughs> Upkeep, draw, draw, draw. So you're essentially drawing two cards a turn, but you're losing one life during your upkeep, which is completely not a big deal because uh, it's EDH, of course. And black doesn't have that much card draw. Um, well, that's all its card like draw this. is like this, yeah, yeah. or cost you life. But this is just like you don't have to pay mana also. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything else. It's just like you get one extra card. Yeah, exactly. There are a couple of demons. Maybe there's just one demon that also does this as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very much in Black's color pie to draw a card and lose a life at the same time. Yep. One for one, usually. Um, yeah, some are two for one, and some cost mana also, yeah. stuff like green. I mean, the best Erebus. part about this is you get to put this on turn three, maybe even turn two, and yeah, it, does, just, yeah, it does a great job. If of, you get a Phyrexian Arena early in the game, you're very far ahead of every other player. By yeah, you're going to draw like nine, ten extra cards off that by the time the game ends, which is pretty impressive. Um, okay, number five. My number five is Living Death, which hey. we already talked about. So I just valued it a little bit higher than you did. Um, I'm not yeah. sure why. Why is that, Josh? I don't know. I just it it's it's the oh, it's an insurrection type effect. Mm-hmm. You know, if you set it up correctly, a lot of times it's just like boom, I win. Yeah, and it's cheaper too. Yeah, although. It's not the type of card you can play on turn five because usually by turn five, you're not ready with enough things in your graveyard for it to work. Right. So it ends up happening around the same time Insurrection happens, which is like turn nine or 10 yeah. or 11 or 12 or 13. But it's just that type of effect. It's like I play this card and if something crazy doesn't happen, a lot of times I can just kill everybody. Yeah, and it's still a board wipe at five mana. And yep. again, black does not have many board wipes. And the most prominent one has never been reprinted, and it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so damn This just costs one more. And a lot of times, yeah, maybe you just play it on turn five just to wipe the board, even when nothing's yeah. in graveyards. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's, you know, being able to build around it and play around it is definitely very powerful. All right. My number five. Boy, we're just cruising through these right now. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Efficient, fast. We've got our, we've got our yeah, no, <laughs> revving the engine. Uh, my number five is, I think this is actually probably a bit controversial because it is, again, similar to reanimate a one-time effect that... Um, this card's very powerful. Yeah, it's, it's Yawgmoth's Will. 
It's two in the black for a sorcery. Uh, this card makes a lot of splashes in vintage. Yep. And legacy even. Probably, I don't know for sure, um, but it's, it's two in the black. It says until end of turn, you may play cards from your graveyard, and if a card would be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. So it gives everything in your graveyard flashback, flashback. till the end of turn. Yeah, and the big thing including here, including creatures. Exactly. So the thing is, your your creatures actually come back to the battlefield if you play them this way, and they stay there. Yep. Uh, unless they die that same turn. Um, but we talk about win conditions a lot in EDH and being able to close out the game. And Yawgmoth's Will, I think, is one of the best ways to do it because if you're behind, if you've traded aggressively, if there's a lot of stuff in your graveyard, and if you're playing black, there should be a lot of stuff in your graveyard. This is the kind of card that will absolutely pull you out from uh, if you're behind someone because you need to play the three things that they got rid of earlier in the game. You need to get your shoulder back out there, etc. cetera. Uh, and it also just has, I mean, the power level is insane. Yeah, I mean, we know how powerful something like Snapcap's caster mage is Mm -hmm. and this does that even more versatilely doesn't leave you with a small creature afterwards but in edh that small creature is not worth a ton um and again snapcaster is different you can recur it and stuff but yagmas lets you play you know in black you can do the cryptgast urborg cabal coffers thing and just make like a gajillion mana and yagmas will will often let you play like three or four or five things out of your graveyard which can be like yeah, living death, decree of pain, like all this stuff we're talking about. And oh can, yeah. yeah, playing decree of pain uh, more than once is. Back-breaking. I mean, how can you lose? <laughs> yeah, how can you lose? Um, yeah, very good card. Another card that I had in contention but didn't quite put on my list. Oh really? Nice. Uh, number four. Uh huh. I notice. I'm just it's a little spoiler alert. Our top three is <laughs> basically the same. This is maybe basically the, the same. This is the closest top three we've ever had. In fact, most of the time yeah. we have like number one number was ones. a no brainer for me. Yeah, me too. Um, in fact, I made my list and just put number one there and then did everything <laughs> else. But our one, two, and three are basically the exact same. Yeah, we'll do it in your order just so we can get so we don't have to repeat anything. But let's see what your number four is first. Okay, number four, I have victimize. So oh. this is my reanimation effect. Mm-hmm. Um, victimize is two and a black for a sorcery it says choose two target creature cards in your graveyard sacrifice a creature if you do return the chosen cards to the battlefield tapped wow. so you sack one of your creatures and you get two out of your graveyard onto the battlefield tapped mm-hmm. it's a two for two technically but you can bring any creature back so you can graveyard. do crazy things like discard effects mill effects to yourself and then sacrifice a little creature to get two really big ones back into play mm-hmm. or reuse enter the battlefield effects or just stuff like that so notably this was also in conspiracy yes it was it's a good card for yeah. for that draft set as well uh yeah you know what i i can understand between reanimate and this one why this would make it higher on your list you get two creature cards it's that's crazy. pretty crazy and you can sack the dumbest little thing you can sack an eldrazi spawn token, a one yep. one a token yeah uh, and there's lots of cards. You can set Kakushio. Yep. Like, y- there's lots of things in this color that like to do this. Um, and the only reason I didn't have it as high is because it's in your graveyard specifically. I liked having the option of reanimating from anywhere. But, I mean, again, in my Marchesa deck, both of these cards are in there. This yeah, and, and these were the two cards where I was like, which one, which one, which one? And I chose Victimize, but I think it's basically a coin flip which one's better they're they're very yeah. similar and it's about your deck specifically too yeah. to, yeah, to so. really tell you what's better. i think most decks that want one want both mm-hmm. all right top three. Oh, you you didn't say your number four. Oh, i didn't 
I mean, it's a repeat. But. Yeah, maybe that's why. My number four was Shieldred Whispering One. Um, I think the power level on this is so absurd uh, because of what our number three is. It's kind of that same effect. The Edict effect is so powerful in EDH because people are loading up their creatures to be Voltron commanders. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and this gets around protection. This gets around targeting and hexproof, and Edict effects in general are just so powerful, so that's why Shieldred's so high up for me. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and I haven't gone back and checked, but I bet if you do... I just have a real hard time putting creatures high on any of my lists for these. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not a big creatures player as far as like putting a lot of like faith in them because into one specific creature because yeah. they they're just all decks are built to handle creatures. So it's just you know as powerful as Shielder it is. I'm just always worried like if I put a lot of stock in that card, it'll just get removed and then what? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny to see our personalities come out as we're doing these top 10 lists because I bet you just on average have creatures higher on these lists yeah, than I, I bet do. So. I bet, yeah, uh, it's so it's just a personality thing because I don't think you're wrong because when you talk about Shieldred, I'm like, yeah, she does all that stuff and <laughs> yeah. she's really powerful. And why good. the hell do I have her at 10? I should have had her higher. So, <laughs> yeah. All, all right. right. So we're going to talk about the top three. Our Yeah, our orders are just slightly different. Yeah, our threes and twos are flipped, but yep. they, it could go either way looking at them. Um, okay, well, so at three, I have uh, Grave Pact slash Dictate of Erebos, and I noticed you did the slash thing, too, because it's basically yeah, the same I really, part. Yeah, when I copy-paste my list in, I was like, yep, that <laughs> looks about right. Um, yeah, so, they're both essentially the same card. Yeah, they're both enchantments. Um, Dictate of Erebos costs a little more and has flash, but they both say whenever a creature you control dies, your opponents have to sacrifice a creature. Each other player, yeah, sacrifices yeah. a creature, which is, if you think about it, again, ridiculous. Yeah, so you sack Kokusho, and then just as an ancillary benefit, everybody else has to sack one of their creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or any of your creatures just die for whatever reason, everybody else has to. Yeah, now the reason that this is slightly less powerful is because token decks exist. Yep. But at the same time, if it's one token deck and three other people that aren't token decks, you're still really controlling the board. The fact that you can do this at instant speed, someone goes to combat, they decide to swing at you, be like, all right, I'm going to sack this Eldrazi spawn to give myself a colorless, and everyone has to kill a creature. It's crazy. Or just having a a sacrifice outlet on the table, Mm -hmm. you can just take care of anything. Like, people play two creatures, you just sack two of yours to kill everything. It's These are the type of locks that black decks can get where they've got a grave packed out and a sack outlet, and it's just like nobody can get anything to stay on the board yeah and like an awakening zone or a creekwood liege or just any card that shieldred because you just bring something back and sack it bring something back and sack it every turn what if you brought back a merciless executioner so it's they're double. sacking like three things yeah. one to shieldred one of the grave pack one of the merciless executioner yeah. like if you have that like no creatures are staying on the board for your opponents basically mm-hmm. and again like i'd say the majority of decks are still winning by traditional means which is beat your face in with a creature so this really gets around a lot of that stuff um one commander in specific that it does not get around shield, uh, not shielded uh sigarda sigarda yeah. doesn't care about these cards yeah and that's again another if you think about it this sh- i feel like this should be one of the most played effects in edh because it's so powerful but you don't see it that often but that's why cards like uh sigarda are so good is because they can stop this from happening for yeah. that player specifically. All right, so your number three, which is my number two, you want to read it? Yeah, it is Necropotence. Necropotence, however you say it. Necropotence. Um, Necropotence. We talk about this card a lot in the show. Um, it's it's a fiery one. The reason I had it at three and not two is because this sometimes can backfire on you. <laughs> it definitely can backfire on you, but it is so powerful. Yeah, it's a, it's a black, black, black for an enchantment. It says skip your draw step, so you know you're in for a ride already. Whenever <laughs> you discard a card, exile that card from your gra- graveyard. Okay, 
I wonder why it says that. Because it says pay one life, exile the top card of your library face down. Put that card into your hand at the beginning of your next end step. So you're skipping your draw step entirely, and instead you're drawing card. It kind of reverses the turnover for you. You draw your end step, and anytime you have to discard a card, by the way, cleanup comes after the end step. So if you draw more than seven cards into your hand, every card you discard to the hand size limit is going to get exiled. Yep. So but it's worth- one life per card yeah. for the rest of the game. What's um, another card that was banned that does something similar? Oh, right. Grizzlebrand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you can do the Grizzlebrand effect. Just pay seven life, draw seven cards, mm-hmm. uh, which is super, super powerful. Yeah, this card is broken bronkers. When people get this on turn three, it's just like, I don't know how you lose that game. It's, yeah, and it's hard to cast on turn three for, for three-color yeah, decks and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the reason I had it so high is just because this level of card draw is, and it's on an enchantment. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like Consecrated Sphinx power, but it's way harder to remove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it does some really interesting stuff because even just exiling the top card of your library face down is somewhat powerful. It also gets around like Nekusar type things because you're not actually drawing that card. You're exiling it and then oh, putting right. it into your hand. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it has some, I don't know, some additional benefit for stuff like that. Yeah, well, skipping your draw step isn't that great, but this does work great with a card like Phyrexian Arena. Because uh, it draws you a card yep. during your upkeep, uh, upkeep and Ristic now you're study, mm-hmm. mind's eye. You can have a lot of ways to draw cards that are outside of your draw step. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very very powerful, very good. Yep, and definitely top three material for both of us here. And we both have the exact same card for number one. Uh, if you guys haven't guessed it, can you? This card starts with the letter T. And it rhymes with schmockschick schmeluge. Schmockschick schmeluge. It's toxic deluge. Uh, The best board wipe in black outside of damnation. One of the best board wipes, period. Yeah, I think think it's actually the best. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, uh, let's read it. It's two and a black for a sorcery. It says, as an additional cost to cast toxic deluge, Toxic Deluge. I always say Deluge. I don't know why. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) As an additional cost, pay X life. All creatures get negative X, negative X until end of turn. This is two in a black for a board wipe that could kill a 15-15 if you have enough life. Yep. And it can kill an indestructible Mm -hmm. 15-15. It could kill Ulamog because it does say negative X, negative X to all creatures. Also, it gets around things like Gaddock Teague. Oh, yeah. Let's say you can't... No board wipe gets around. Almost none, I think. Yeah, Gaddock Teague's, like, that type of effect is super painful because he's doesn't allow you to cast non-creature spells that cost four or more mana. Mm-hmm. And there just aren't very many board wipes that cost less than four mana. This is yeah. one of them. It's just very, very useful. It's very efficient. The loss of life is not as big a deal in EDH. Yeah. I can't think of how many times I'm just like, man... This is the one card I get the most with our other supposed number one card to my tutor. I almost always tutor for a dot Toxic Deluge. I'd say probably 60% of the time I get Toxic Deluge if I if it's still in my library. It's You never are mad when you have it. You very often are like, man, I hope I draw it. Like mm-hmm. It's just the answer in so many situations. And you can do it for minus five, minus five if you have six sixes on the board. You know, yep. It's up to you. And the fact that you can just pay two in the black is the biggest part because you get to choose how big it is based on your life total. Um, also notably, it was only printed once ever in the Commander 23 sets, which means it's a wizard's creation, and the power level is uh, pretty up there. Yeah, it's, it's a little spendy right now. I wonder if they'll yeah. put it in the new um, 
this year's Commander product. I mean, I hope so, because it, it definitely is not cheap anymore. Um, and it, every black deck wants this card. Every deck that plays black wants this card. Yeah. It is the best board wipe in black, uh, bar none. Um, Damnation is cool because it is a black board wipe, but it is not <laughs> Toxic Deluge. It, at least for EDH, it's not. Yeah, it costs one more mana. It doesn't kill indestructible stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is way worse than a little bit of loss of life. So, yep. And it's funny that we had such a similar top three, but I, I people are, people are going to disagree with us, but I like our picks. At least our like top our three. Pick. Yeah, I do too. Um, we want to talk about a couple honorable mentions? Yes. And your first honorable mention is actually something I completely forgot to play or put on my list because I actually, I, I may have put this on there. Um, well, because I was looking for ramp cards, right? And mm-hmm. the two I had were Cryptgast and this. Cryptgast is not as good in decks that aren't heavy black. Right. And so that's why I was looking for something that still worked. There's um, also the Nakana Revenant, right? Yeah. It does something very similar. Very similar. Um, just more expensive. Yeah. Uh, so Black Market is one of my honor- honorable mentions. It's an enchantment for three and two black. It says, whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on Black Market. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black to your mana pool for each charge counter on Black Market. So Oof. You this put thing it, gets up big. I got this to like 27 in the game. If you're at 27, you're just getting 27 black mana every mm. turn from it. In your first main phase, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. That's when you play Yawgmoth's Will and just win. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's a very good ramp. It's a little bit spendy, this card. I think it's in the $20 range. I think it's actually less. I got Does it, it come for, down? Yeah, 10 to 15, I think is where it's Oh, that's at. not bad. Um, for a while, it was a little bit higher. It's it's very powerful. A lot of decks, and especially if you're sacking your own creatures and you're mm-hmm. just guaranteed putting counters on it. In the Shadowborn Apostles deck, it's very, very strong. I don't think people realize how good this card is because every time I played it on our boards and our meta, people usually target like the doubling season, and this is just as dangerous. Um, it really can be, especially if you have card draw. Then you can just dump everything in your hand out on the yeah. table every Well, time. the nice thing is at first it just gets that one or two, and people are like, whatever, two extra mana, not a big deal. And then when it gets to 14 and 15, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. So that was my first honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, the honorable mention I want to talk about is Contamination. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, it's mean. kind of like Blood Moon in a lot of ways. So, of course, I like it. Uh, it's two in the black for an <laughs> enchantment. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Contamination unless you sacrifice a creature. So it's a bit, uh, it asks a little bit of you. And it says, if a land is tapped for mana, it produces black mana instead of any other type and amount. So you don't even get to get your Ancient Tomb to tap for two. It nope. only produces a black mana. It's basically the Black Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. The uh, only saving grace is that it's a little bit hard to keep it up. But, I mean, if you've got a reoccurring or... Uh, recurring skeleton, reassembling skeleton of sorts. Or just like or a, just a token, token maker, yeah. yeah. Bitter Blossom or Awakening Zone or something that's just making you a, a, a creature every turn, then... Pretty good. Yeah, you can basically shut everybody out. It's good. Um, my second one is Entomb. Oh, yeah, this is a great card. Entomb is one black for an instant. It says, search your library for a card and put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. So it's like this weird tutor, but it doesn't put it into your hand. It puts it into your graveyard. So black doesn't care. Black doesn't care. And also, there are just a lot of cards you want in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can throw anger. Yeah, so you can. this Genesis. can be like give all your creatures haste. Yeah. This can be like or one big, black mana, too. Yeah, At instant all- speed. That's great. It can also say give all your creatures flying or give them all swamp walk or it can say mm-hmm. all kinds of things because there are creatures that like being in there. Also, yeah, it can just be a tutor. Like put it in there, reanimate it. Mm-hmm. So you can get shield out for two mana. 
So it's very powerful, and it's actually a really unique effect. In you two- could technically do it if you only had one black mana by casting it at the end of someone else's turn and yep. then playing reanimate. <laughs> yeah, you could do this turn turn one. Mm-hmm. So you play your swamp on the end step before your turn. You entomb, put Shieldred into your graveyard, and then on your second turn, boom, you reanimate, reanimate Shieldred. Oh, man. You are on the so way mean. to making no friends, Abel. I mean, I can hear the groans from here. <laughs> Uh, my next honorable mention was Oversold Cemetery, oh. uh, one in the black enchantment. And it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have four or more creature cards in your graveyard, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, and I like this because it's one in the black. It's a very cheap enchantment to get out. Um, and the flavor is great, too. <laughs> the cemetery is just, there's too many dead people, and they need to get rid of some of the carcasses, and it goes back to your hand for some reason. They, well, what else are they going to do with them? Yeah, clearly. They oversold the cemetery, man. We got to give some of these back. <laughs> All right. My last honorable mention uh, is Micaeus the Unhallowed. Oh, yeah. So Big Daddy Micaeus. Big Daddy Micaeus. This is the evil Micaeus. There is a nice one. The evil one, Micaeus the Unhallowed, is three and three black. So six mana total for a five five legendary creature, zombie cleric. This is actually a very good commander, too. Mm-hmm. Has Intimidate. It says, whenever a human deals damage to you, destroy it. Pretty good. And then it says, other non-human creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have undying. Oh, gosh. So undying is when a creature with undying dies, if it had no plus one, plus one counters on it, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Hmm. I wonder what commander likes this card a lot. Marchiza. Yeah, Marchiza. Marchiza. Micaeus is just infamous for going infinite with a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, Triskelion specifically. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that go infinite with Micaeus, and so he's just a very powerful card for combo decks. Yeah. Uh, if that's the type of thing you want to do, Micaeus is a guy that does it. Undying is really, really strong. That's the thing. Even if you're not going infinite, it's just like all your guys, when they die, just come back. So yeah. think about... Like, Unless they're humans, but... Yeah, think about like Kokusho. Oh, boy. I sack him. Everybody takes five... I gain 20. Kokusho mm-hmm. comes back. I sack him again. Everybody takes five more. I gain 20. Now I reanimate him. I sack him. He comes back with him dying because he doesn't have a counter. Like, yeah. you can go nuts with like that kind of loop. Mm-hmm. It's not infinite, but it's still just going to kill everybody. It's, yeah, it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, Macias is definitely one of the most powerful black cards <laughs> in existence. Um, although it... The only reason I don't like it as much as Shieldred is just because it takes a little more setup. Shieldred just, as the next, as soon as they pass turn, it immediately goes into effect. There's nothing else you have to do. You know, you need to sack anything. You just need to watch everyone go, no, why? Yeah, I, I agree. Shieldred is in general better, but Micaeus does some pretty crazy broken yeah. things. Yeah. And they're both great for mono black decks if you guys want to build that and be evil. Uh, my last honorable mention would be the card I've talked about a couple of times on this show. It, this episode specifically, it's Massacre Worm. Oh, yeah. Three and three black for a creature worm. When Massacre Worm enters the battlefield, creatures your opponent's control get minus two, minus two until end of turn. And whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, that player loses two life. So the reason that this card is awesome is, I mean, it's not a permanent effect like Elish Norm where everyone gets minus two, minus two, but it is just your opponent's creatures. And it's a great flicker target. Yeah, super so. great flipper. And it just a lot of incidental life gain. Mm-hmm. It does just well, kill. Well, life loss uh, for everyone else. Oh, yeah, life loss. Because I mean. as soon as those creatures die, Masker Worm's already on the table. So anything it kills, that's minus. Like if you're a token deck and you have 10 creatures that you just lose 20 life immediately. I mean, that's crazy. 
Yeah, it's pretty insane. Plus your whole board. Yeah, your whole board as well. So Masker Worm's great. Um, I think it's just underrated in general because it's a one-time effect and people don't like those as much. Uh, but this is EDH. We have many ways of getting around all that. This is EDH, baby. EDH, baby. Don't even think about it. All right, so that's our top 10 black cards. Nice. Did nice. you guys agree? Disagree? Let us know. Yeah, please go to the comment section on Rocket Jump. Or on uh, YouTube. Or on YouTube. We do prefer Rocket Jump, but you can do it on YouTube also. Um, and give us your top 10 list of your top 10 black cards. We always like to continue the discussion there. Uh, there's been a lot of cards that have come up on the other episodes um, for the other colors and for artifacts where I'm like, man, I didn't even think of that card. Yeah. That card probably should be on there. And it's good for listeners that come along you know, weeks, months, years down the line, and they can also see what other people thought. And you know, we're not saying we're 100% right. We're never 100% right. In we're fact, like 99.2% right, though. Yeah. We want you guys to tell us what we're missing here because... Then I'll put it in my deck and my deck will be way better. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah. And of course, there is a couple of cards, at, like we talked about before, that are just too expensive for this list. So don't, uh, don't yeah, be that void, We know. The Abyss. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we, we know, know about those cards. They're $200. So like, yeah. Yeah. They don't count. I just bought seven of them <laughs> instead Ballin'. of buying eight decks or whatever else you could do with that money. All right, All ready right. for the end step? Uh, I'm never ready for the end step, but you know what, Josh? I am ready for the end step. <laughs> that, that sounded like a like an oxymoron. Yeah, I know. Um, you know what? My end step is going to be a personal uh, update. As many of you may know, I fundraised for a show called Band-Aid back in November, and it's, uh, the show is a musical comedy, uh, and I'm in the process of creating it right now. And some people have been asking for some updates, so I posted some stuff to Twitter today. I'll post some stuff to the official Band-Aid page as well. Just wanted to let everyone know where I'm at with it. We have just finished the fifth draft of the first episode of the season. We have the whole season all um, outlined out and everything's ready to go, but the pilot, I had no idea writing it was going to be as much of a hand in like hand on face face palming just hit your head against the wall as many times as you can um, because you're trying to do so much setup and exposition in the pilot and also keep it interesting and funny and true to the show and true to the characters and at the same time the characters like you can just feel them like putting their hands on their hips and being like and this is what happened in the past so you can understand the rest of the show so it's been quite the process but we just finished our fifth draft and of course the best draft by far and uh, I have a hard deadline for myself set right now to finish a first draft of the whole season. The first episode was by far the hardest, and I know for a fact that the rest are going to be much easier uh, by July. And we hope to go into production in August. So that's the status of Band-Aid. Very exciting and very tiring. Revisions, man. Lots of revisions. Um, I don't know if any of you out there have ever tried an endeavor of this size, and I will refute Jimmy's... Um assertion that the rest of the episodes will be easier oh good no it's not they won't be easier I know. they will be difficult everything's um, gonna be difficult i'm just saying that to make myself feel better yeah then and people who are who are asking about updates that's great because they there was a indiegogo but they mm-hmm. should realize too that the process of doing something of this size and magnitude it just takes a lot of time and there's no reason to do it if you don't take the time right now to make those scripts good yeah. So that's Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, I may as well just not do the show if exactly. I'm not no one spend really the right wants time. that. So yeah. anybody that did, you know, um contribute to the Indiegogo, that's awesome. You know, but you want Jimmy doing exactly what he's doing. And I know for a fact he's working really hard on it. Um, but you want him to make sure that the script is really in a great place before you start rolling any sort of camera. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because otherwise all the money you will just be like, Why am I yeah, spending it's just it pointless. on it's yeah, just it's pointless. pointless? Yeah, you wanna you want to do the best you can before you go anywhere. So um, my end step is way less cool. 
<laughs> uh, than yours. I'm sure that's not true. But no, no, it is. Because oh, yeah. yours is really cool. Because um, yours is an awesome creative endeavor. <laughs> Mine is I ate a lot of tacos this weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yes, okay. Gotcha. If you follow my Twitter... You saw me post pictures of about 14 tacos because I went to this taco. It was mouthwatering following your Twitter that It was day. amazing. Yeah, so was there was amazing. this taco festival in Los Angeles. There's a very famous street in downtown LA. It's called Oliveira Street. It's actually very close to where we record this podcast. Um, and I think LA Weekly sponsored this really big taco vendor festival thing. Um, tons of people there. Uh, there was a lot of taco vendors from all over. They came from San Francisco. They came mm-hmm. up from Mexico. They all had different taco styles. If you go to my Twitter account, there I've got pictures of like some amazing tacos. <sighs> they look so good. There, I'd, I'd never seen tacos like that either. I was like, whoa. Yeah, it was not like crazy style. Yeah, it was like gourmet tacos. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Koji truck, which is like a very oh, big yes, famous. So taco truck that kind of started this gourmet food truck revolution that we have. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it's by a guy named Roy Choi, who's actually like sort of the if the movie Chef with John Favreau. Roy Choi is like one of the consultants and one of the mm-hmm. inspirations for that movie. He was there with his tacos. Anyway, I had a really awesome time. I ate way too much food. I ate 14 tacos. <laughs> that was my cool thing that happened. Yeah, and... Uh... I got the invite a little too late, but I'm definitely coming. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, this thing happened where I'm like, Jimmy, do you want to go to this taco thing? He's like, taco thing? Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> I love tacos. Yeah, I was like, oh, sorry. I, I just found out that you have to have bought the tickets like we, weeks ago. <laughs> and he was like, well, how'd you get your tickets? And I was like, well, my girlfriend thought ahead because I wouldn't have. Yeah, so, I definitely did not. Yeah. Uh, I, Next year. Yeah, it's crazy. Tons of things like this happen every year in LA. Um, there's a beer crawl that I'm very oh, yeah. much looking forward to in August that happens. I got to I missed the last two years, but it's one of my favorite events. It's very similar. Did you, you get, get a, your tickets ahead of time this time? Uh, no, they haven't gone on sale yet. I don't think. Oh, oh, maybe they have. Uh oh. Start hitting that refresh button. button yeah, no, right, like right I got now. It. I got to start refreshing. I got to look it up right now, actually. And that means we are done with the episode for today. We are into the cleanup phase, and that means we are discarding the thousands of cards we drew with necropotence, necropotence, whatever. Um, <laughs> make sure you guys check out. Uh, the Masters of Modern, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, are very good friends. Uh, ben did very well in GP Vegas. He placed in the top 100, got some money. Uh, they talk about Modern because they know the format very well. And they're also brewers, and they're also really smart. <laughs> and they talk... And they have really good guests. They have great guests, actually. They have a ton lined up post-GP because they got to meet a lot of these people, um, which is awesome. They're talking to pro players, writers, uh, deck brewers, and all that stuff. And they've done stuff with a bunch of already pretty well-known figures in the community as well. So make sure you guys check out their podcast. They're a sister podcast. You can find them on rocketgem.com slash podcast uh, or at the MMcast on Twitter. And uh, that's that's my cleanup phase. All right. Make sure to uh, go give us those iTunes reviews. Yes, please. Please. Well, that just sounds pathetic. Go we, do it. We need some I'm taking a different reviews. tact. I'm just oh, going to okay, order them. Go give us reviews. Do it. Yeah, do everything. Do it now. Do everything. Do it now. Do it now, man. Head for the chopper. You can do it. <laughs> I love that guy. That All right, everybody. Growing up. <laughs> Head for the chopper. I don't know what that has to do with iTunes reviews. <laughs> And one last thing before we depart, we have a very exciting announcement. Magic Origins spoilers have started. If you guys don't know, this is the final core set that Wizards of the Coast is ever going to release for Magic the Gathering. And we have an exclusive spoiler for you guys, but not 
until June 29th, which is next Monday. We're going to be spoiling an all-new card. It's really sweet. We can't tell you anything about it now, but make sure you tune in on Monday. We're also going to be discussing the five legendary Planeswalker cards that have been spoiled so far. We're going to talk about their uses in EDH as well. So it's going to be a Magic Origins spoiler-filled episode next Monday, June 29th. That's four days from now, instead of our normal release day on Tuesdays. We'll still have an episode on Thursday as well. So I hope you guys are looking forward to it. I know I am. The card we have is super sweet. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts